You're listening to DraftKings Network. Equity? Are you kidding me? First of all, no. Second of all, even if yes, you know, you're going to back out the signing bonus. Are you going to take the signing bonus? No. and germs. It's Andrew Brandt. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Got an interesting edition for you today of Brandt's Rants. We're presented as always by DraftKings. Produced by Jack Connell, my musical producer is my son Sam Brandt. Boy Blue Tunes on Spotify. I think you'll enjoy his music. Busy week in the business of sports and I'm going to talk about a lot of things going on in different sports for the next 20-30 minutes or so. Always give you a unique look into what's going on. I'll sort of add a, a Brandt quote at the end of the, of the podcast. People have sort of enjoyed my little uh, nuggets of wisdom on Wednesdays, especially I'm recording on a Wednesday on Twitter, so I'll bring it here as well. And always remind you that I have a sports business league where I do videos every day and weekly meetings on Wednesday nights for people who want even more of me and listen to my insights and get together for some Nice camaraderie and fellowship on Wednesday nights. Just go to sportsbusinessleague.com and, of course, the newsletter as well. You all should be getting that, andrew-brandt.com. Sign up if you haven't already. Okay, let's get to the items of the week in the business of sports, and I'm going to start with some nonsense that's out there about what has been presumed the number one pick in the draft, the 2024 NFL draft, meaning it's six-plus months away. That would be Caleb Williams, quarterback of USC and the defending Heisman Trophy. A lot of hype around him and some things in the news the past couple of weeks. I just want to comment on and kind of debunk with my experience and insight and show how ridiculous some of this stuff is. The first report on Caleb Williams. Okay, first of all, he's, he had a really bad game the other day where they got smoked by Notre Dame. Is he even the number one pick? Is he even a top five pick? We're going to get into all that. But the question is, when he is eligible for the NFL draft, which is January until April, it's going to be more of this nonsense. And I just want to get in front of it. Okay, let's say the first thing that came out about Caleb Williams, and maybe it's not the first thing, the first thing that caught my eye over the past few months is that, hey, he's going to stay at USC another year because he's going to make so much name image likeness money. It's not worth coming to the NFL. Okay, no. <laughs> in a word, no. You know, I've been an agent, I've been a team executive. My advice to Caleb Williams, if that is really a thought, is get that out of your mind. If you're a number one draft pick in the NFL or top five draft pick, which everyone expects him to be, he's going to sign a contract between, I don't know, 37 and $41 million over four years, the bulk of it front-loaded. So let's make sure we don't know about that. Rookie contracts are 80% of it is in the bonus. So he's going to get a 30-something million dollar bonus, and the rest is going to be salaries over the next four years. He's not getting that in NIL. <laughs> he's not getting that. 
at, N- at USC or any college. You're not getting that kind of money. Listen, there's a legitimate argument for players returning to college for NIL instead of the pros if you're like a seventh-round pick projected or an undrafted free agent or maybe a sixth or even fifth-round pick. If you could make a few hundred thousand dollars of NIL money and you want to enjoy the college experience and not go to the pros, great. But let's not make that argument for top picks because the money is so skewed at the top, even though it's not what it was back in the day of Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf and Sam Bradford and Matthew Stafford coming out of the draft. But it's still way more money than you're going to get in any kind of name image likeness deal. You think some donor fund at USC is going to pay this kid $25 million? And even if they do, what's the advantage of that deferring NFL contract for a year, not not even deferring the rookie contract, deferring the veteran contract because you can't even renegotiate in three years. So let's say Caleb Williams has an opportunity to make real money as a second contract, not just rookie money, real money. Well, that could come now after the 26th season. And if he did this ridiculous thing people are talking about, he wouldn't be able to do that till after 27, so he, not till 2028. It's just no sense in Caleb Williams turning down the NFL as a top pick to play college football for NIL money. Not unless the NFL owners are funding his NIL, and why would they do that? They'll just have him play for the NFL. Ridiculous. Okay, then there's this other thing that came out. Somehow it's been in the Twitter and the space the next the past couple of days maybe from a report back in the summer, but it's ridiculous. The idea that Caleb Williams or his team, which maybe includes his family and agents to be, or maybe agents already signed, is going to ask for equity. Equity in an NFL franchise. Are you kidding me? We can't even get to equity for Tom Brady, the biggest name in the sport over the past 25 years, who is retired. He's not even with a team. He's not getting equity. And now that fights over the discount factor and how much the Raiders are going to give him and how much he has to pay for it. That's all those are separate issues. But equity? Listen, a couple things make this ridiculous. Number one, if you're a rookie, you know exactly what you're going to make the the night of the draft. Because wherever you're picked, you're slotted in this rookie system pool contract. The only things you negotiate are how how is the bonus paid, and whether they're offsets and what kind of void language, what kind of default language, forfeiture language is in the contract. You don't fight about money. None of these deals fight about money. You know the money. Like I said, a huge bonus for these first rounders and then four years of relatively minimum salaries. If you're a first round pick, you're going to have a fifth year option decision by the team after year three. And that'll be guaranteed if they, but it's a four-year contract with a fifth-year option. Done. That's it. Now, that's going to be for, like I said, $30, $40 million over four years. Let's say, given conservatively, $10 million a year average. Now, even if somehow, some magical way, the NFL says, yeah, we can give him equity. Okay, great. He can get equity. So he's going to make $40 million in value over the next four years. And say instead of salary beyond the minimum, instead of that compensation beyond minimum salaries, 
He'll take it as equity. So you bump out the minimum salaries for four years. Now he's down to wait 30, 33 to 35 million over four years. So let's say it's 36 million over four. That's 9 million a year. And he can get equity with that. <laughs> okay. These franchises are worth five, six billion dollars, seven billion dollars. What's the equity with a nine million dollar number for him? Well, maybe he does get some equity. It's going to be point oh 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 one percent. Okay. So again, equity? Are you kidding me? First of all, no. Second of all, even if yes, you know, you're gonna back out. The signing bonus, are you going to take the signing bonus? No. You want equity, so your equity is going to be that $32 million bonus, but the valuation is going to be over the life of the contract. So $9 million a year, <clears throat> you know, good luck with that equity. <laughs> so some of this stuff, and then the idea that, oh, he's not going to want to go to the number one team. We don't know who that is. It's maybe not going to be. Arizona. It's not It's not going to be a team that he doesn't want to go to. Will he want to go to Denver and Sean Pitt? And if he does, well, okay, fine. So then he's traded down and he makes less money. You know, all this stuff is just nonsense. I don't know where it's coming from. I, I don't know if this Caleb Williams is leaking out some stuff through his camp, which, again, if you if they know the business of football, is kind of ridiculous. But, hey, we're talking about it. So that's my thought. Caleb Williams, USC quarterback, defending Heisman Trophy, going to be a top pick, I guess. Ever, you know, who knows? It could all change. But he's going to end up sometime in May, probably April. I mean, May, April, May, June, July, whatever, signing a four-year contract with a fifth-year option for the team at slotting it in. A little over number one last year, Bryce Young, or if he's number two, right behind number one, or he's number three, four, five, right behind the one before him, et cetera, et cetera. That's it. That's it. We need, that's enough, enough about Caleb Williams. <laughs> I mean, the next rumor, I'm sure we'll say how ridiculous that is again. Okay. Had to debunk that nonsense. Had to give you a straight shooter on that. Speaking of college football and NIL, there were hearings yesterday on Capitol Hill. The This was the 10th, I'm sorry, this was the 10th time there have been hearings on name image likeness bills in Congress since 2020. Let me say that again. The 10th set of hearings on Capitol Hill about this new phenomenon called name image likeness in college sports. And there have been seven, count them, seven bills advanced on this topic. So right there, and then you see how much is going on about this. It's politically something people want to get involved in. College sports is popular in all these districts. So congressmen are jumping in. The problem is a lot of things. Number one, it's an interest from Congress, but it's not a priority. So let's get those straight. It's an interest from Congress, but it's not a priority from Congress. So yesterday we have Charlie Baker, the new president of the NCA, appealing to Congress and saying things like, I've talked to athletes of all three divisions, one, two, and three, and no one wants to be an employee. You know, and that's against the backdrop of an antitrust case. 
two antitrust cases that are trying to have college athletes declared as employees, Dartmouth University appealing to the NLRB to be employees and uh, eligible for unionization, all these things. Okay, so he appeals. He wants Congress to help. We had Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten, kind of saying the same thing. We had Jack Swarbrick, the old AD at Notre Dame, is basically saying, uh, yeah, we probably have to do some kind of collective bargaining. That's a different view. Then you have some athletes that are brought up there saying how much they love college sports, blah, blah, blah. The problem is we don't have a consensus on these bills. And then we have a world going on outside of college sports. As everyone knows, there's a lot going on in this world besides college sports that Congress is going to pay a lot more attention to before, now, and in the future. So Charlie Baker, the NCAA, really wants the Congress to step in here and regulate NIL and regulate college sports and give them an antitrust exemption. Because the reason the NCAA doesn't regulate this themselves is simple. They're afraid of people like me. And when I say people like me, lawyers, they're afraid of antitrust lawyers because after the Austin case in Supreme Court, June 2021, remember, NCA NIL policy was scheduled to go into effect nine days later on July 1, 2021, when the Florida and other states bills were kicking in and the NCA abdicated. They threw up their hands. They gave up. They surrendered because any restrictions on NIL they knew would be brought to court by lawyers, and the Supreme Court had just scolded them, chided them, punished them for what was going on with the Alston case and allowed for educational benefits to be not restricted by the NCAA. So that's why the powers that be the NCAA want Congress to regulate this. They don't want to regulate this. They're scared to regulate this. And when I say this, the wild west of the NIL world, where it's out there, where people are doing exactly what NIL was not supposed to do, exactly what NIL was never supposed to be, which are recruiting inducements to get players to come. Now, of course, you can't say, hey, if you come here, you'll make a million dollars in name, image, likeness. No, what you say is, well, we had an athlete just like you, and look what he made over the years. So these are the kind of things going on. The NIL hearings, again, all these bills. There's a bill written by Ted Cruz that really parrots what the NCA wants in a bill. There's on the other end of the spectrum a bill from Senators Blumenthal and Booker, which are a lot more than NIL. They give athletes protections, a lot of health and safety, a lot of mental health, a lot of women's sports, Title IX issues. The bottom line is it's great that everyone's talking about it. Will there be action? I doubt it. Not in a time of international conflict, which our country is very involved in, and appropriations. They don't even have a Speaker of the House as we speak. Okay. I think it's great NIL has made it to the stage of Congress where a lot of people are paying attention to it. Uh, Lindsey Graham, the senator yesterday, says it's a mess. Great. But it also recognized that there's a lot more important things going on than protecting college athletes. So it's great we're having hearings. I'm not sure where it's going after that. Speaking of hearings and meetings, the NFL meetings, fall league meetings are going on a much more subdued location and version than in the spring where it's some sun-soaked place like Arizona, Florida, or um, 
even uh, Hawaii at one point where the families come and all that. These meetings are more business oriented. Supposedly there's talk about grass versus turf with the FIFA and looking at stadiums for uh, the World Cup. They talked about coaches' interviews. You can't interview in person until uh, after the divisional playoff round. You know, the coach interview stuff to me is all BS. I mean, it's like if an owner wants to hire a certain coach, it's going to happen. They're going to make advances. They're going to do what they need to do. They don't need an interview necessarily at a certain time. That's what happens every year. This is the problem with the Rooney rule, too. How How does the Rooney rule factor in? When an owner has his heart set on a certain coach, white, black, yellow, green, or whatever, the rest of the interviews are going to be shams, including, in many cases, black coaches interviewed for the Rooney Rule. It's the same thing with this timing issue. If an owner has his heart set, whether through his own research, with search firm, whether advisors, that he wants a certain coach, he's going to get that coach. And the timing of the interviews, the Rooney Rule, nothing is going to stop that. That's the problem. I don't know how to fix that. I don't know how to fix that. Okay. The other thing that came out is the Goodell extension. This has been rumored for a long time. It's probably not even signed, but it is agreed to that Roger Goodell, the commissioner since 2007, when I was in the NFL and he came in, will continue as commissioner until now, 2027. So he'll have a 20-year tenure, at which point it seems he'll walk away. This is obviously a no-brainer. This is someone who has done an incredible job for his constituents, which are the owners. He has made them so much money. And as we sit here today, we have three metrics in place that stand out above all else. Number one, $110 billion of media contracts are kicking in this year from ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC, and Amazon. Those are record deals. Those are extraordinary numbers. And there's a seven-year out for owners to get even more if they want. Think about those kind of numbers. Uh, you know, that's $3 billion a year average for the ownership. From, just from that. So $3 billion a year. Uh, for If you're talking about 10, 10 years, $110 billion, that's $10 billion a year, sorry. And you can do the math, how much each team gets out of that. Extraordinary number. That's the number one metric. Number two, as we know, the latest franchise sale in the NFL, the Washington Commanders, $6.05 billion. That has every owner smiling ear to ear because their franchise, if they choose to sell, will play off that number. And number three, we have a team-friendly, very team-friendly, owner-friendly, as I've talked about many times, collective bargaining agreement. The CBA is in place until 2031. So for seven more years until the next renegotiation, have that in place that gets them a 17th game, that gets them better economics, that has deficient, for the player's side, minimum pay standards, has a franchise tag, has commissioner power, all the things. And no mandate to play on grass fields, no mandates for anything like that. So Right then and there, you see the power of Goodell. He is not a lawyer. He's the only one of the major four commissioners that's not a lawyer. He has imposed his will on the conduct side, even different from lawyer commissioners who like to see the process wind its way through the legal system before imposing discipline. Goodell doesn't worry about that. But he's the business commissioner. He's made untold fortunes for the owners. He reports to the owners. 
there's bread and butter. They hire him, they fire him. And as just seen yesterday, they determine how long and how much he's going to make. He's in. So next time we'll talk about a new commissioner, not going to be for a few years. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Okay, a couple other quick things. Netflix is not in live sports, but they're doing a test case. I saw this. I found this interesting. We know Netflix is being involved in sports, but sports from a docuseries point of view. Um, the docuseries Drive to Survive got me personally involved, interested in F1, very involved in Formula One. They are Netflix, and they also did the tennis series and more more relevant to this discussion, they did the golf series full swing and covered a lot of the tension brewing between the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. Now we have an event. Netflix is hosting a live event on the eve of the late November F1 race in Vegas. There will be the like the match. You know the match we've seen with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady playing with top golfers. We've seen it with Mahomes and uh, other golfers. And now we're seeing a golfer and an F1 driver will be paired up, four sets of them, in this event on November 14th, uh, sponsored, I guess, and televised or broadcast, whatever, stream, that's the word, on Netflix. So Netflix is doing the match with F1 and PGA Tour golfers combined. It's going to be a, a sort of a combination of their brands based on what they've gotten involved with. They've gotten involved with F1 through the formula, through the drive to survive. They've gotten involved with the PGA Tour through full swing, and now they're going to match them up. The bigger picture here is, is Netflix, with all its hundreds and millions and billions of dollars, going to get involved in live sports? Are they going to get into bidding? Ted Sarandos, their co-CEO, said at a conference last year, we're not anti-sports, we're anti-no-profit. I'm sorry, we're not anti-sports, we're pro-profit. They didn't see a path of what they called renting sports. We'll see. This will be a nice test case for them, this, this event, uh, you know, with PGA Tour golfers matched up with F1 uh, drivers. I don't know if F1 drivers can you know, swing a golf club, but it'll be interesting. Um, so this is going to be an interesting event on November 14th, sort of following the whole match, which Warner Brothers has done for these past several years with Mickelson and Tiger and so many others. Um, I'm interested to see it. Uh, and it's a nice lead up to the big event in Vegas, which is going to be huge. The F1 going through Vegas. Okay. Last thing, baseball playoffs. First of all, I'm outside of Philadelphia. I've never been a big Phillies fan. I mean, I've never been a big baseball fan, but you can't you can't not be a fan of this team here in this town. These Phillies are bashers, man. They just one to nine in the lineup. They just bash and the pitching of Nola and Wheeler. I mean, what a team. I just said before we came on, I said, I don't know if they'll ever lose again, this team. I mean, they went through it last year, same thing, and they got they lost in the World Series. But there's something about these guys. Yeah, you just see it through the screen, how they get along so much. And just this camaraderie of this team is like, wow. So the Phillies kind of burst on everyone's screen who are not big baseball fans this time of year. But it's real. I mean, this is real stuff with this team. I'm impressed. Um, 
So we'll see where it goes. Um, obviously, they're up 2-0 as I record this. They go out to Arizona. The other discussion in baseball is this. And by the way, the Phillies, <laughs> I was talking to Jack, the producer, before, like, he's the opposite of what you want a leadoff hitter, right? You have Kyle Schwarber as your leadoff, and he's just bashing. You know, the, remember the days of leadoff where it was a little guy that tries to get on and just run? screw that the Phillies just have everyone bashing like wild Schwarber's wild I mean didn't a lot of teams kind of give up on this guy oh my god he's like a home run waiting to happen every time all right the other issue is the 100 wins you know the Braves the Dodgers and the Orioles got 100 wins this year they're all out Tampa 99 wins they're out and these other teams are in you know, I don't know what to say. This happens in sports. It's not as easy as saying, well, a team gets hot. You know, I think it's just there is success in different categories. Like if you're a Dodgers or Orioles or Rays or um, Braves fan, what do you think of this year? I think it's okay for you to think it was a great year. You won 100 plus games. Again, that's not kind of the, I don't know, the hardline American mentality. You got to win in the playoffs. But it's just like, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about a 100-win year that doesn't advance in the playoffs? And I think you can say to yourself, your friends or your family, we had a good year. It didn't end well, but you had a good year. And I think this is a common question in sports. And I think Again, it's a little bit more American to get frustrated and disappointed at losing the playoffs, whereas a little more European where I've experienced that, where it's like, yeah, they're losing a lot in the playoffs, but what a great year. And it's kind of like, what would you rather be? You know, like if you're a Giants fan through that 10, 12 year span, now it probably continues, except for last year. Are you happy as a Giants fan where you had two Super Bowl championships amid a lot of mediocrity or worse? Or would you be happier if you were a Giants fan winning 10 to 12 games every year, sometimes advancing in the playoffs, sometimes not, sometimes losing all the way to Super Bowl? I guess the mentality is no, we'd rather have it the way it is. Two Super Bowls and so many bad seasons. But, you know, I look at sports as the goal of a front office is sustained success. Not to have these blips, not to go down and up. And it's an interesting conversation and one I'll leave you with. You know, what would you rather have if you had to choose? Would you rather be those New York Giants type team where you pump, you get up a couple times in a long stretch of, not success, not sustained success. Or would you have rather always have a chance? You know your team's going to have a chance. And if you flame out in the playoffs, listen, I've been a Packers fan a lot, you know, a lot of years since the Super Bowl in 2011. What a season. And I would say to my sons, like, they're so disappointed. I'm like, they had a great year. <laughs> I mean, they won 15 games or whatever it was. I'm like, yeah. The Eagles last year, oh my God, what a great year. But again, do you win? And this, I'm just throwing it out there. 
something for you to chew on and think about. So just think about those things. And I'll leave you with my quote for today. Um, I'm going to try to do this every week. It's just my quote. I'm into quotes. I'm kind of a quote nerd. And I today I wrote in my Wednesday Wisdom on Twitter, being intense and emotional is great. It's great for short bursts. And anyone can summon those. You know, anyone can summon the short emotional bursts. But that's not sustainable. And this is just like we were talking about. Being consistent and having discipline, that to me is more impressive. So I will take consistency and discipline over intensity and emotion every time. Because I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Intensity and emotion, they're great, but they fade. They fade. It always fades. Just like when you write an angry note, when you write a loving note, if you look back, you know, the next 24 hours, you're not going to feel the exact same way. What doesn't fade is consistency, showing up every day, being there, being someone that people can depend on. I'll take dependability and consistency with my students, with young people, more than intensity and focus, right? I want the student that's been studying, not crazy hard, but studying consistently over the semester, <clears throat> rather than the one that crams the last week. I always appreciate that more. So consistency over intensity. All right, guys, that'll do it. Hope this was uh, fruitful for you. If we learned a lot, again, Sports Business League to get me every day and, and meet on Wednesday nights, sportsbusinessleague.com, the newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. If you're not getting it, sign up. Twitter, Andrew Brandt, Instagram, where I do reels, Andrew Brandt, two columns at Sports Illustrated. And I hope you share this podcast with a friend, give us a good rating on Apple. I really hope it's something unique to you that you can share with your friends, your family, your students, your peers, and uh, gives you something you don't get in other sports podcasts or any podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks to Jack Connell. Thanks to Sam Brandt, my musical producer. Thanks to you for listening. See you next week on the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. <laughs>